The defense was on fire Tuesday, picking off Bucks quarterbacks five times. So what does that mean for the Baker Mayfield-Kyle Trask battle? That and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into this WTSP Wednesday episode of Locked on Bucks, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day we want to thank you for making locked on bucks your first listener view every day and don't forget you can subscribe or follow for free on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts and of course you can follow us on twitter i am james yarko at jarko underscore bucks and he is evan klosky and he's back and he is at e klosky wtsp we are your hosts of locked on bucks credential members of the media covering your tampa bay buccaneers I'm the deputy editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com. And of course, Evan can be found on 10 Tampa Bay and at 10 Tampa Bay.com when he's not, you know, running off to Canton to it was uh it was a heck of a time to see Rondé Barber uh get enshrined into the Hall of Fame. Also, shout out the Barto native Ken Riley, who finally got his due 35 years after his eligibility. But you know, even when uh you get to witness Rondé, you also get to see all the the Buccaneers alums there and you know the Glazer family. And uh, and Jason Light, uh, you know, it was really a who's who who's had any significance with the Buccaneers during, you know, an illustrious 16 year career. So it was just really fun getting to bop around Canton and run into all of these uh, these Buccaneer legends uh, throughout the week. So that was cool. Yeah, I was I was planning on being there, but then, you know, new career change. Couldn't get the time off. Those things happen. But we do want to thank you. For making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day, especially the everydayers. And uh, which starters should play on Friday? For how long? And who are some players to keep an eye on against those pesky, pesky Pittsburgh Steelers? That's coming up later on Locked On Bucks. But first, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask didn't exactly have the best days on Tuesday, but the depth chart was released Tuesday morning and listed the starting quarterback as Mayfield or Trask, because that's a thing we can do on depth charts. That's right. Baker, college football, baby. Yeah, Baker's getting a start on Friday. And Evan, we haven't been able to get together for a few weeks. Most of that is my fault. Uh, well, not my fault exactly. My neighborhood's uh, the, fault for yeah. power outages and internet outages and all kinds of fun things. But I've talked a lot about the quarterback situation. David has talked a lot about the quarterback situation. And uh, I want to hear your thoughts on what you've seen between these two guys. You've been to some of these training camp practices. You're kind of right there. You're involved. Um, so kind of your your big takeaways now with the battle, the, the Baker turnovers, but being named the starter, Kyle Trask exceeding expectations. What's been your biggest takeaways uh, through training camp regarding the quarterbacks? Uh <laughs> Still, uh, still a process here. I mean, there's, there's some, you know, there's, there's good, there's some bad, there's some learning curves. Um, you know, I also think that the offense is going up by my estimation, a, a really, really good defense. So, you know, I do want to tip my cap to Todd Bowles's group as well, you know, with Trask, 
he finally, finally hit a deep ball to Mike Evans. But that, I think, was the first significant deep shot he has connected with all training camp long. It just seems like, you know, if Bruce, Ari- if Bruce Arians was a uh, no risk it for the biscuit, um, Kyle Trask is sort of like, I don't need no biscuits, all right? I'm going to just do – you tell me to protect the football, and I'm going to protect the football. Short stuff, you know, short game, short game, short game. Uh, Baker – has really tested his receivers a little bit on 50-50 balls. Um, you know, I think he's made some bad decisions as well, a little bit more than than Kyle. But I, I do wonder if by doing that, um, you also maybe get a better product come the regular season. Somebody who's trying to do more with the offense. I mean – as much as I love Kyle Trask protecting the football, eventually that will grow stale after a couple of weeks and teams catch on and then they force you to make tougher decisions. So I don't blame Trask for doing what he's doing. I think he's actually abiding by the number one rule of Dave Canales, which is do not turn the football over. And Todd Bowles even mentioned, look, um, you know, maybe quarterbacks here and there in certain uh, chances will fling it up and we don't really think much about it, you know, that we want them to kind of test it. But for the most part, as we near the first preseason game, we would like turnovers to stop. So I don't want to write off Baker's propensity for turnovers, especially given his career and what he's done historically. But I do feel like... Baker is still the the number one quarterback for the Buccaneers. And um, that doesn't mean that if he turns the ball over a bunch after the first couple of weeks, he wouldn't get pulled. But I don't think Trask has necessarily wowed me. I think he has steadily shown improvement, significant improvement, mind you, just going back to OTAs. But it's not like in my head – this guy's it, you know, um, like there's no like it's not any like light bulb moment where I say to myself, like Kyle Trask is for sure the better dude over Baker, which is why as much as people want to write about it and talk about the interceptions and all this stuff, you know, in the seven on sevens and the 11s on 11s um, or the 11 on 11, I still think it comes down to preseason action. And if, you know, Trask would have to significantly outperform Baker. In my opinion, there hasn't changed much. Something in that I, regard, I should say, my opinion has changed on Trask. He's been better than what I thought. But my opinion just on the on Baker Mayfield being the starting quarterback, that hasn't changed much from the start to now. I think, I think he's still going to be the guy. Something that I talked about on yesterday's episode when I, I was talking about Baker being named the starter for Friday – And it's something that I believe would give us the truest sense of a a winner in this quarterback competition is that both Baker and Kyle Trask in these preseason games need to be going up and taking snaps against the starting opposing defense. And, And I realize in the case of the Steelers, the Jets, the Ravens, there may be some key players not participating in preseason. I understand that. But it's really hard to get a, a good grasp and and judge fairly 
if you have Baker with the ones and then Kyle with the twos going up against the ones and going up against the twos, then you flip it against the Jets, who, in my opinion, have a better defense. It's on the road. It's a, it's a tougher game. And now all of a sudden, Kyle is going up against the starters. Baker gets to go against the backups. There's no real true apples-to-apples apples comparison when you're talking about live game action. To an extent, I understand what you're saying, but at the same point, um, just take advantage of the opportunities given to you. Both are going to have pretty much the same reps against whatever the other team throws out there. I don't think that you know Todd Bowles and Jason Light and whoever are going to look at stats and make the statistics their end-all, be-all. You know, Bulls right. talks about it all the time. It's not about the amount of yards you throw for sometimes. It's, hey, on, on, on second down when they had a blitz and they got through, did you get rid of the ball? Did you fight for another play? Or did you panic? Like there are certain things that you can't really document that will tell you whether or not this person is ready to lead your offense. So whether you're playing up against the ones or the twos, you have to perform no matter what. And yeah. that's going to have to be the standard of whatever it is. I don't think anything um, in sports, life, whatever, is completely fair. Um, or I should, you know, some things are. That much is fair in this kind of stuff. So just eliminate kind of the excuses that we might pull and just understand that, hey, you're thrust under center. Perform. Doesn't matter. It's, uh, you know, figure it out. So... Again, it's going to be more of looking at tape. Did he get the read correctly? Which we're not going to always know, to be honest, what the play call was and what the correct read was. And, sure. you know, if they showed a certain leverage, did you check to something else? So there's going to be elements of that. There, I, I think if that does happen where, you know, the Jets throw out their twos and threes, then you should dominate. I mean, you both should – to go out there and, and move the team down the field. So, you know, expectations level will will, will change given what, what's happening, I think. Yeah, well, Baker and Kyle won't be the only starters suiting up and playing Friday night, but which Buccaneer starters should be playing on Friday and for just how long? That's next on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. August is here, and you know what that means. The official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month. Get championship ready for your home league by trying out Best Ball on Underdog Fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft. No waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every week, and you can try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament. I am currently in the process of my draft for that tournament. I got the number two pick. Yes, the largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and better than ever with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on. 
Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Be sure to come back tomorrow. Not sure if David is going to be back, but I will at least continue to get you ready for the Bucks first this week. David David has some uh, extenuating circumstances going on right now. Uh, so not sure when he will be available to return, but uh, obviously you guys will find out when he does because you'll hear his voice. So Baker is starting, but who else will be starting around him? I don't think it's far-fetched to believe that Ryan Jensen, Shaq Barrett, Russell Gage won't be suiting up. But on the offensive side of the ball, Evan, which starters do you think should be on the field on yeah. Friday? I mean, I would be shocked if like Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, I, I'd be, I'd be sh- even Rashad White. Maybe he might not. Uh, we'll see. Um, personally, I, I definitely think that uh, Malk and Gedicky should be starting. Um, Worfs, maybe a series, maybe just to kind of get a feel for it. Because he is switching to the other side, I don't, you know, no more than one series. Other than that, I think when you're talking about potential starters, I really do think firmly. I believe Malk and Gedicky, because I think they they kind of need to get those reps in uh, on the defensive side of the football. Logan Hall, uh, Joe Tryon Shainka. Um, and that's probably it. I mean, are we going to consider, like, I'm not going to consider Zion McCollum a starter, even though he might play nickel. Um, but I, I think that's that's really it for me on that side of the ball as well. Okay. So, I, it, again, it kind of goes back to our quarterback discussion. It's a little hard to see what Baker's got in this game with the ones when most of the ones are out, I'm with you 100% on on Malk and Gedeke needing to play. I'm with you 100% on Werfs getting one, maybe two series. Um, I, I think outside of that, on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to get plenty of Kate Otten. You know, he's he's the number one tight end, so he's the starter. But yeah, he's a guy that, that you're going to see on the field, but you're also going to see plenty of of Payne Durham as well and start to get him some reps. To me, I really don't even need to see much from Kate Otten, at least in my opinion, right? I think he's the one. I think he's the bona fide one on this roster. I want to see everybody else. There's a lot of question marks behind uh, behind Cade. So that's at least – that's why I didn't name him. But I get it. I mean, you can throw him out yeah. there. He's a second-year player. I, I mean, to me, it's if if your top three receivers don't play, assuming Mike and Chris don't, you need to have somebody that's one of the ones that is working on building chemistry with either or both of the quarterbacks. You need to see that in live action outside of practice. I know we're probably going to get Evans and Godwin in game two and probably game three, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Dave Canales says, look, this is a new offense. This is a new quarterback for you guys. I need one series. I need one series out of, most of you after that shirts shorts you're good to go so maybe we get mike or chris not both go out there run a couple routes come off the field you're fine on on the defensive side of the ball i can understand no vita no levante no shack no devin no antoine no carlton no jamel so that that pretty much leaves 
exactly what you said. We're probably going to see plenty of Logan Hall. We're probably going to see plenty of Greg Gaines. Uh, no Kalisha Kansi for, for obvious reasons. But a lot of talk about Servassier Dennis. A lot of talk about Yaya Diaby. We're going to see plenty of those guys. I do like the idea of Ryan coming in and playing. He's obviously going to be the starting safety, but he's he's a guy that you have to kind of keep an eye on because this Todd Bowles defense is not an easy one to pick up. So although he had a, a great year last year and, and he's been really solid um, you know, for a, a couple of years, this is a difficult defense to pick up, and he needs those live reps. Yeah, you have to remember also that these players are getting significant reps with the ones in practice. Sure. You know, we like the game is just to finally hit somebody, but for the most part, the chemistry building and all that stuff is coming together. You have to. Here's my thoughts if I were Todd Bowles, I would pretty much run the same lineup in game one and game two. To your point, we're going to make all things equal. The players I sit out week one, I'm going to sit out week two, and then our dress rehearsal is going to be the final game there against the Ravens, and we are going to throw the ones out with our one quarterback. And we're going to have our twos out with our two quarterback. And that's how we're going to kind of go about this. Um, or if things are still up in the air, you're going to have like Baker go the first series, Kyle go to second series, then swap in the twos. Baker go the third series, Kyle go the fourth series, swap out the twos and then get them out of the game. So they have some options. But with them going to the Jets next week, essentially that week away during practice, those are games. It's going to be a lot of ones and ones. And then when we see the game, it's going to be a bunch of nobody playing because they just worked their tail off leading up to that contest. So that's why I, I tend to believe weeks one and sorry, games one and game two, you'll see a very similar set of starters, uh, maybe a couple more additions we, in game two. But uh, I, I tend to believe that Bowles and company will be a bit conservative up until the third game with the Ravens. And we might not see a significant amount of starters until that final game. And even on the defensive side of things, I would understand it if he didn't want to put Antoine Winfield Jr. in harm's way or Carlton Davis, guys who know the system like this. You know, it's just right. not 100% necessary for that. But offensively speaking, to your point, yeah, at least game three, I, I want to see – all the ones out there, for sure. And I, I would expect the defensive guys to at least be suited up despite what I just said, at least for game three. Yeah, it, it's so hard, and that's something that I mentioned on yesterday's show. It, it's so hard to judge how these teams treat the preseason games anymore because they've eliminated that fourth one. We used to pretty much know, you know, game one, starters are getting one, maybe two drives. Second preseason game, it's the first quarter. Third preseason game, they're playing into the second half. Fourth preseason game, there's not a one of them. You know, there isn't a single starter out there because these are the guys that are scratching and fighting and clawing for one of maybe three or four roster spots at the very end. Um, so every team kind of treats it differently now with this new three preseason game system. And, and the fact it, that you're not I, cutting anybody throughout camp. Exactly. And, and something else that I mentioned, we saw what happened last year in that third preseason game against the Indianapolis Colts. Aaron Stinney goes down. He's out for the year and the, the entire offensive line has to shuffle around and, and change. 
I'll I'll say right now, and feel free to to disagree with me. I don't think we see Ryan Jensen until the Minnesota Vikings game. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I would probably lean towards that. I think, uh, especially considering that he is the starter. Uh, you don't really – he's a he's a pro's pro. He's going to know what to do when it comes down to game time. But it's a fierce battle between Nick Leverett and Robert Hainsey for that center starting position. So, need to see both of those guys constantly throughout the preseason. Somebody's got to win that battle. Arguably, that battle at center might be the most hotly contested battle in Bucks camp uh, as far as, like, that is a significant job. And Ryan Jensen, when Topol says, yeah, he has some bad days, some good days. I don't know when he's going to be cleared for 11 on 11 work. That's not good. Uh, that's not good, especially considering he tore like three ligaments in his knee last year and didn't have surgery. So, you know, pardon me for being a bit skeptical. Uh, if anyone can prove me wrong uh, or a lot of people wrong, it's Ryan Jensen because that dude is built different. But, um, I, you know, I – Seeing what happens at center is, I mean, there's not many battles that are truly 50-50. Like, even the quarterback battle, I don't think is a fair 50-50, despite what they're making it as with the reps and and switching off every day. The organization is making it a 50-50 battle, but I don't know if it's a 50-50 in their heads battle. I, I think Leverett and Hainsey is truly a, Somebody, somebody win it. Somebody win it. We, you know, I think I would guess that Hainsey has the inside track after starting all year, but uh, last season, but it wasn't like he was, you know, excellent in that, in that role. So it's not like he, and not to mention, I think Leverett might benefit more in this kind of canalis scheme where Nick struggled a lot in pass pro, but in the run blocking, I thought he did pretty well last year. So yeah, and, and this may be a battle for who's the heir apparent once Ryan Jensen decides to step away from yeah, the game. But sure. there are some names to keep an eye on on Friday that are fighting for spots on this 53-man roster. That is coming up in just a moment here on Locked on Bucks. Red! things up here on a WTSP Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. We have talked a lot about quarterbacks, but there are other players on this roster. There are players on this team that are battling it out within their position groups for spots on this roster. I spoke last week about the battle at wide receiver and the outstanding camp that Devin Tompkins is having in that battle for the wide receiver four spot. There's Still a battle for wide receiver five, maybe even a wide receiver six. But Evan, who are some of the players that you're going to be paying special attention to on Friday night that are fighting, you know, th these bubble guys that have a shot at making this roster as depth pieces? You mentioned the wide receiver position mm -hmm. and Devin Tompkins. Um, so last year, last year, he was a, a training camp star. Yeah. And worked his way into the the 53 man by the end of it uh it worked his way onto the field i should say pushing jalen darden out of town and he continues to kind of prove he can be trusted that this guy maybe doesn't look the part but he is something else in a bag of beans so devin Tompkins, i want to see 
him. I want to see Devin Tompkins dominate out there. Sort of like when you watch a second-year NBA player who got a decent chunk of minutes his rookie season, go over to the summer league in Vegas and just whoop whoop some ace. That's kind of what I want to see from Devin Tompkins. That like, yup, confirmed, you're better than all of these backup guys. Um, to that point with the wide receivers, Raheem Jarrett is a dude who has gotten a lot of pub. Um, I think one day he kind of had the dropsies. But beyond that, players are raving about this kid. That he's 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 different. Uh, he's he's really fighting hard for a roster spot here. Been a really pleasant surprise in camp. And uh, and Trey Palmer, uh, someone who traditionally in college had a case of the dropsies, has flashed that speed, um, athletic ability, able to make some some tougher catches uh, than than what he was kind of publicized out of college at a Nebraska for. So I'm interested to see those three wide receivers. You mentioned Yaya Diaby. Guy is built like a, a specimen. I mean, that dude – Man, uh, if the raw talent matches what, like, you know, he's a, a crazy athlete. If he can be a crazy football player and athlete, that is a steal. And I know Jason Light sweated that Yaya Diaby pick, and I can understand why, because he is a, a man amongst boys sometimes with certain certain players. You also mentioned Servasier Dennis, a guy who has just been a ball hawk, a ball hawk. In, in camp everywhere. I was talking with a coworker yesterday about how if Devin White or Levante David went out before this training camp, I would have said the Bucks are screwed. And watching Servasier Dennis, hearing about Servasier Dennis, I tend to at least be a little bit more they might not be so screwed. They might be okay. They're, they're, you know, I'm not saying that he's any one of those types, but I mean the drop off. I'm very intrigued by what that man can do, and if he can, if he can prove some things, it's going to really put pressure on Devin White and Levante David entering the offseason with no contract, and the team might, you know, they might make a choice and take take a cheaper way out. So. I just want to see if camp success translates to a game with him. Uh, finally, three other guys. Uh, you can notice my types here, very offensively minded. David Wells, I think he's been a surprise in camp, a tight end. and I mean, an older dude, 28 years old, but he's had flashes. Um, Sean Tucker, he was a guy that was supposed to be drafted, had a heart condition. Everything kind of got figured out. Maybe we're a bit year too soon on a guy like that. But ever since Dave Canales said that Sean Tucker reminded him of Thomas Rawls, you know that he has a vision for him yes. in his head. That he saw his tape. He said, oh, man, I was in Seattle. I saw a guy like this. He's that guy. So when he's making a specific comp and they paid him, they paid him guaranteed money as an undrafted guy, that is not insignificant. They really like Sean Tucker. They're invested in him. And I think some wheels are churning back there. We might have something special. Want to see the application of that. Finally, I do, I do have a, a defensive, another defensive guy here uh, beyond uh, Yaya and Servasier, and that is uh, Christian Izian, the safety mm -hmm. of Rutgers. Uh, 
Todd Bowles doesn't shy away from showing his bias towards Rutgers and he gets to hang around there because his son plays for the team. And uh, he, you know, last year, um, blanking on the guy that, that made it out of camp, the linebacker, he played special teams and eventually caught. Uh, oh, Grant, Grant Stewart. No, not him. That was two years ago. Uh, he was a seventh round pick. This was a, last year. It was an undrafted guy. If you have it in the comments, write it. I'm blanking. Um, whatever. But this is the next Rutgers guy. And I've heard Christian Indian's name a multitude of times out of Todd Bowles' mouth. So that's a thin position. I like Nolan Turner a lot too, but they're going to need depth there. So Izian would really um, help bolster that safety depth if he's a, if he's a thing. And, and maybe maybe there's even the possibility of him swinging into a more versatile role. But those are my guys. That's what I'm watching for. Were you talking about, uh, is it uh, Fatu Kasi? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fatu Kasi, that's who it was. Yeah, so I'm here for you, buddy. Google is my friend while you talk. <laughs> Thank you. He made the team uh, and he got caught later. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to watch some of these players, uh, in particularly, and I don't think he's fighting for a roster spot, but I'm really excited to watch Servassier Dennis. And David and I talked about him shortly after the draft. We had started going through and watching games, and we had each picked two pit games to watch Kalijah Kansi. We picked uh, a bowl game and a regular season game. And Servassier Dennis kept jumping off the screen while we're trying to watch Kalijah Kansi. And we talked about it on, on the episode that we our jaws were dropping at some of the plays that Servassier Dennis was making. And, and so I'm really excited for a lot of our listeners and a lot of our viewers who didn't watch Pitt. They don't they don't know what Servassier Dennis brings to the football team. So that's going to be a, a really fun experience for them getting to to see him in action for the first time. And then yeah, I'm with you 100% on Sean Tucker. I I said I would I think it was our bold prediction episode that David and I did a few weeks ago that by week 8 Sean Tucker is the locked and loaded RB2 on this team, and he's probably looking at a 30 to 40% snap share. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, you're probably getting 50% out of Rashad, 30 to 40 out of Tucker, and then you have some Edmonds and some Keyshawn Vaughn mixed in there to, to make up the rest of it. But yeah, when you give an undrafted rookie guaranteed money, that means that. They have a plan for you. They don't want to risk losing you. And he would have gone early day three if it wasn't for the medical concerns during the draft process. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Those are two of the, the biggest names that I was going to be looking for. I'll get into a few more names coming up on tomorrow's show. But that's it for today. We're going to bid you all a fair adieu. If you have questions, ideas, topics, reactions, if you have players that you're keeping an eye on in this preseason game, drop them in the YouTube comments or send us an email to LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com. We want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day, for making us part of your day, part of your routine. You can check out everything that Evan is doing on 10 Tampa Bay and at 10TampaBay.com. I'm over at BucksNation.com. Follow everything on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at Eklosky, WTSP. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. 
want to thank you for joining us right here on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 